Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Again, that's 720-792-8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Jabez. Jabez is a best-selling author, a Forbes journalist, a successful entrepreneur who sold his award-winning agency in 2018 to open a high school for underserved youth. Today, he's partnering on a project to help female entrepreneurs take their companies from 200K to 1 million in revenue. He's delivered over 1,200 presentations, written four books, launched multi-million dollar companies, and he is an advisor to several Fortune 500 companies. Jabez Labrette, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, uh, dude, you've got quite a, a rap sheet of, of accomplishments. <laughs> um, you <laughs> so you sold you sold your agency... Sounds like you kind of wanted to do something different or maybe more purpose-driven. What was what was your key driver for selling the agency? You know, my, my wife and I had an idea probably eh, seven years ago, six years ago now about this new model for high school for underserved youth. And I, I was homeless in high school. And so I came from a pretty broken home. And, you know, it was an opportunity for me to give back in a way that I had never thought I could give back. And so we made a pretty significant pivot. And uh, that's what led to me selling my agency. Thankfully, my business uh, partner at the time was open to buying me out, um, which was great. And um, yeah, then we opened up school and then the COVID hit. And, you know, we all had to make some changes. Yeah. So is, is the school, talk to me about what that looks like today. Uh, the school is not up and running right now. We had to close it down. Our pilot year of boarding students was the 2019-2020 school year, which is a bad year to pilot a boarding program. So we closed her down. Um, Right now, Toledo Public Schools in Ohio is um, looking at possibly launching one of our schools. You know, the model is still living on, but uh, my wife and I have have kind of, uh, we did all the planning, did all the research, got the model together, and now we're just kind of facilitating other school districts um, exploring options to open up the the same kind of school in their cities. Gotcha. Wow. That's a, uh, I mean, I feel like having little kids in school, just the changes and the, you know, watching, uh, watching all that transpire over the last couple of years, I imagine that was, that was pretty hard. Yeah. It was harder than building an agency. So, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> I look back at the agency. I was like, Oh my God, the agency thing was awesome. Like this is good. And you know, it's funny because in the moment it feels so hard. Like I remember like times where we were struggling in cash flow, and we were worried about making payroll and times where we were like messing up on our own marketing and we're a marketing agency and you feel like an idiot. And I was like, Oh my God. And then employee problems and all those challenges, you know, and we had about 25 staff and, you know, you, and you look back and you're like, Oh my gosh, there are harder things in the world it's always a good reminder that there is something more difficult probably than what you're doing now that doesn't diminish 
the challenges and what you're facing. Um, but I think it helps sometimes, you know, give you a light at the end of the tunnel to get through it. Mm, kind of puts puts things in perspective sometimes. So what was the where was the agency at when you decided to exit in terms of like headcount, like type size, and just kind of paint us a picture of where where that was at? Yeah, we were at about two million a year in gross rev. Um, you know, we'd kind of been fluctuating around that amount. We had peaked at a 24 staff, then we'd kind of moved to a little bit more outsourcing model with some internal account managers and had shrunk our staff down to 12. We're kind of starting to ramp back up staff again. So we had done the undulation, you know, that I think a lot of agencies go through because we found it in 2010. So, uh, but when I actually, we were eight years old, so we had been seven years, about seven and a half years old. And so we'd gone through a few kind of swings in kind of figuring out what we wanted the agency to do and how we wanted to grow. My business partner at the time was uh, definitely thinking more along the lines of um, lifestyle agency. And I was thinking more along the lines of growth. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely were starting to feel some friction there. Um, conversation we probably should have had uh, a lot <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> so it, it, it all worked out well and, and they're doing great. Um, you know, I, I, I can't release their, their current numbers now because I'm no longer a part of the company, sure. but I can tell you they're doing better than they were when I was there. Um, I am trying not to take that personally, but. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned there was some, um, some partner friction over, over the strategy or, or direction. So how, how did you, and your partner communicate about the the direction? Was it just informally like, hey, this is kind of where I want to go and this is where I want to go? Or or were you guys you know, following any kind of strategic planning system? At the beginning, I'd say for the first four years, I have a fairly large personality and I'm fairly fast. So I was just bulldozing my way to growth and like spending all of our money, doubling down on growth, like traveling all over the country, like just doing everything I could to build the agency as fast as possible. And I felt like my my business partner, Mark, is amazing at ops. And, and he was always just almost in the sense of in a catch-up mode, like mm. trying to keep up with it and didn't have a lot of time to process, uh, I think, future direction because I was just throwing new opportunity at us constantly. And he was just constantly trying to figure out like, how the hell are we going to do this? Like, and And so I think that prevented us from having meaningful conversation about it for a long time. About four years in, we kind of started the casual conversation. About five years in, we implemented um, scaling up the Gazelle's yeah. um, practice. Didn't quite fit for us, so we switched over to EOS, um, Entrepreneur's Operating System with Traction, um, which was a little bit better fit for our, our culture and, and the way that we operated. And that started a journey that eventually led to us understanding kind of where each other was at as far as what do we really want out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even I don't, know if, if we knew until we actually implemented a real system. <laughs> <laughs> hey, agency owners, I have an amazing product to share with you this week. Service Provider Pro. I'm absolutely in love with this platform. If you're currently running a productized service-based agency and you're looking for an all-in-one client management solution, this is for you. Service Provider Pro helps you sell services at scale. You can manage your clients, your payments, projects, all from one slick dashboard. Run reports, see where your projects are at, and give your team a single source of truth. And it all comes in a fully white-labeled package, so you look super pro in front of your clients. For more details and an extended free trial, head over to spp.co slash to sign up. That's spp.co forward slash you gurus. 
All right, let's get back to our show. I've heard kind of, I mean, I, I've read through Vern's book and I, I guess my, yeah, it's interesting you guys, you guys tried both. I mean, my impression is that scaling up is, is a lot, there, there seems to be a lot more heavy lifting, not that either system, like you don't have to like do the work, but I always felt like scaling up had a lot more like, like real, like rigid, like systems around like tracking performance and scorecards and just kind of like every like whereas like eos scorecards are like a really simple like hey weekly numbers right whereas like totally scaling up it was like you've got numbers and greens and yellows and reds and, and like there's like yeah. all these different types of, oh, of kind of levels. Yeah. It, it always felt more it's, complicated to get through like the scaling up book like felt really heavy whereas neat. like yeah it's it's good. It is good. It, and 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 Vern is is awesome. I've seen him speak several times at EO events and stuff. Um, and and he's great. But I, for us, we didn't feel like our agency was at the size to have mm. the stability and the layers of management to fully implement a scaling up strategy. Yeah, you know, like if you've got twenty employees, you're in a really painful spot because you don't have enough managers to manage everybody. And so a lot of the you're doing managing and doing while you're leading. So you're still kind of your foot's in a lot of the the different you know places, and so it's it's a little bit of a challenge, I think, from that perspective. Maybe if we were forty or fifty employees, it might have been easier to implement. I, I don't know. We we didn't get there. So <laughs> you mentioned you were traveling a lot. I know you've done you've you've grown your businesses a lot through speaking. Is is that was that the primary reason that you were traveling so much? Yeah, it was. Oh God, it was a total accident. You know we. We did this huge marketing campaign. You you remember Mechanical Turk? I don't even know if anybody yeah. really uses that much anymore. We did a Mechanical Turk where we had a bunch of cities like Atlanta and Denver. And we had people rip out the lawyer section. So our agency only worked with law firms. So we had people go to the yellow books, rip out the lawyer section of the yellow books, and then mail it to us. And we did a Mechanical Turk for it. And we ended up with stacks and stacks of yellow pages and we went in, took the yellow page, would circle the ad, like a quarter page ad, half page ad or whatever. And then we print out the Google map that the lawyer was not there, right? And Google Maps had just come out and we'd mail it to the lawyer and, and it had this letter on it, like, you know, got to get on Google, like stop spending money on yellow pages. And then the follow-up was a uh, money bag, literally little, like vinyl money bag with shredded <laughs> fake dollars in it, I said, you're throwing money. It's so cheesy. You're throwing money away. Get I love on Google. It. Get on Google. <laughs> like, and, and the third mailer was a trash can with the original yellow pages and letter crumpled up with a coffee stain on it in the trash can. And when you open it up in red ink, it said, you know, don't throw away your opportunity to get on Google. This three-piece mailer. We sent it to 400 law firms. We were so stoked. I tell you what, back in the napkin math, we were making a ton of money on this. Like, well, we we were already cresting over a million dollars, like just off that ad campaign, and then no one replied, like <laughs> zero. So when you say back the the, the napkin math, this was like the 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 projection back oh, of the, the napkin. When math. the final mailer went out, we went to the bar, we sat back, ordered a couple of beers, got the napkins out, started writing, and we we're like, oh my god, we're going to be rich. And then nobody replied, and we we're like, holy crap, what happened? The way I had no idea what we were doing, and I went to a legal seminar at a bar association down the street in San Francisco. And this guy was giving a talk on, you know, digital marketing for law firms. And I was like, you can do this. Like you could just go talk to lawyers, mm. like about this stuff in their own environment. I was like, I'm like, and the guy knew the guy was so far behind that. I was like, here's what we got to do. We got to go 
there's got to be a ton of these legal events. Let's find every bar association. Let's go find every legal event and let's just go speak at all of them. And then that's how we're going to start to build our, our agency and our base. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because I find, so, so we, we spent a lot of time. I mean, I, this is basically my thesis for the book that I wrote on owning your market. You know, we spend a lot of time trying to encourage people to go into their market. Kind of, you know, my book's called Jump in the Deep End. Or, I'm sorry, Get Rich in the Deep End. And we, we try to encourage people to get into the deep end of their market. Like, go out there, do exactly as you said. But I do find a lot of people come up with really cool mousetraps to avoid that thing that, like, people just, like, resist so bad. Right? I was, like, literally just talking sure. to, one, like, an agency owner two days ago. And they had like this elaborate, and she was trying to convince me that this elaborate system to like get these clients, right? Using like Facebook ads, upsells, downsells, cross sells, whatever. And like, I was like, you know, but how many clients do you want? She's like, oh, I'd love to have like five clients or like, you know, some just really high paying clients. And I'm just like, man, you've got this like really elaborate system that's really complicated. And like, I think all you probably need to do is just go to a room of your target customer and just be like, hey, I help people with Facebook ads and marketing. And like, <laughs> you'll probably get five clients like right like that. Right. And I just, I feel like there's this, I mean, maybe it's because we do set up complex systems that sometimes work for our clients that people just, they overlook like that. Not that, not that speaking in front of an audience is easy, but they overlook like the, the opportunity of these rooms of people of target customers, they're, they're already like getting together and you can just go in there and hang out and like present some value and they're going to be like, oh, wow, Jabez, this is amazing, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure when you were actually Absolutely. in the room with those people, they're like, they think you're the greatest. You you hit it 100% on the head and, and then you said it so fast that was go in and provide value, mm. which is the absolute key. If you go in and you try to sell and your your whole purpose is hey, I got a room full of my clients. I'm going to go in and I'm going to just knock it down. And I'm going to sell the crap out of my services. No one is going to buy from you. They're, everybody gets that sleazy, gross feeling from that. Nobody likes it. If you go in and show them how smart you are, and we had a philosophy of share everything. So we would share everything we knew, all of our tactics, our strategies, everything, because 99% of the people won't do it. And they're going to want to pay somebody else to do it. And if, if the 1% in that room does do it, and they go out there and they crush it based off of your knowledge, they become your biggest advocates. They start yeah. they start saying, oh my God, you got to go listen to Jabez and Mark. These guys are brilliant. Like they really know what they're doing. And then they'll close deals for you. Like it's it's the providing value that is really the key to that, that kind of piece of the puzzle there in, in going to present live, um, which I do think there is no better way to do it than presenting live, you know, because it gets a chance to actually meet and be authentic and, and, you know, truly understand your market. How, how did you specifically get into those rooms? Cause I know a lot of people that will, you know, they kind of go to, maybe they're going to the, the bar association website right yeah. now. And they're like looking for local <laughs> chapters. And then like, I want to go speak like Jabez does, right? I want to no. get like a speaking gig. Right. And I, I mean, I do know that you've got to put in some elbow grease to get in the room. <laughs> so first, I first get my business partner and I booked the Washington State Bar Association in downtown Seattle, huge bar association, thousands of members. And we showed up. And I remember we were helping the guy set up chairs. And like the room was like empty. And so we just started setting up chairs. And he walks in. He's like, oh, What are you guys doing? We're like, Oh, we're, we're going to set up some chairs. And we were planning on maybe 80, 100 people showing up. 
And he's like, oh, well, we have five people registered. And I was like, oh, I was like, is that normal? He's like, no, no, no. Normally we get like 80, 100 people. And I was like, okay, like, is it us? Like, what, what, what did we do wrong? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, well, this doesn't qualify for CLE credit or continuing legal, legal education credit. So nobody's coming because they mm. don't come to presentations that aren't at the bar association. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I literally until that moment didn't know that was even a thing because I'm not a lawyer, right? So I was coming on the market completely blind. I think a lot of your listeners, and, and thankfully, if they're following you, they've already picked up on this, which is going deep in your market and really sitting down and showing up to your market helps you understand this stuff before you make all these mistakes. You yeah. know, so you don't fly two people to Seattle to speak to five. And of course, only three <laughs> only three showed up. <laughs> we had books. We brought books with us. Boxes of books. Oh man, you gotta put those back in the hotel room. You just bring, bring like, be like, oh yeah, we got like one book here. Did one of you guys want this? (laughs) I reverse, I reverse stole like twelve books at the airport on the way back, uh, which is when you take your book and you put it in like the the bookstores at the airport. Oh my gosh, go put it on the shelf. You're blowing my mind right now, Jabez. That's is (laughs) Um, that considered like trespassing? Or is that like legit? I don't know. It's it's (laughs) well. So what happens is when they scan it, the barcode will pull up with your ISBN number, pulls up the actual book. And then they, it has a price on it. They can sell the book for the price from the barcode, but it's just huh. not in their inventory. And that starts to show negative in- inventory for your book. <laughs> it's an old, old, like 10, 15 year old strategy on, uh, anyway, another podcast. Well, so, but, uh, but I think even if you look at them, I mean, obviously the, the short term impact of going to a city, speaking to three lawyers, I mean, you know, I mean, heck, you and three lawyers talking like, you know, a small circle about how to help them grow their business and marketing, right? I mean, like, that's, One of not, them a became bad, a client. that's not a bad room, right? At the end of the day, that's a very no. different workshop or event than yep. if you had 50 people or you had 100 people, right? You get to go like and do like probably some live coaching and helping I, and, and really get into the weeds with them, right? Absolutely. Sat down there, pulled up the laptops, did like a more informal, like, let's get real about this conversation. We did actually close one of them as a client about six months later, which is awesome. But we found it to be more effective once we understood the landscape of how that air, that market works. Like, what kind of speakers are they looking for? Mm-hmm. And what, that, what does that speaker need to do? And once we understood that parameter we were able to build our presentations around what the market wanted and needed. So in the legal space, there were some check boxes we had to check off. From a meeting planner perspective, we had a book that we had written on the topic for lawyers. They wanted to see that. That made them feel warm and fuzzy. You know, our content was really solid, highly educational. We had, eventually we got letters. We asked people to write us letters of recommendation when we'd go speak and we'd do a really good job. We said, could you write us a quick paragraph to say it was great? Please mention that we didn't sell. We used to say that out loud, like we'd write a recommendation sample and in the sample it'd say, oh, I was really happy that they didn't try to sell their services mm-hmm. at my event, right? Because we wanted to be able to send that off to meeting planners and it, it helped us build then I think a strategy around how to go speak and then how to, once we're speaking, how to then take that and leverage it into bringing in leads. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. 
Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e, the number two, msolutions.com. All right, back to our show. I think it's, it's sometimes when you first get into a market, you have to learn some of those lessons. But I always remind people, like, those are the things that when you start to learn that stuff and you start to figure out how law works or how such and such niche works, you know, that's like a, a moat, right? It keeps competitors oh, yeah. from just jumping in and being able to, to leverage those that same channel, um, whether it's, you know, you having to jump on a plane and spend money to get there, right? That obviously means there's only certain numbers of people that are willing to do that. And also just learning the landscape of how those what matters to a lawyer? Were you able ever able to get uh, your presentations like as like one of the certified learning credit kind of presentations? Okay, we were <laughs> absolutely. So we figured out like what categories non lawyers can speak on and like how that would have to work and could we fit our speech to make that credit worthy? And then once you got once we got one state to approve us. We took that accreditation and went to every other state and said boom 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 boom, and then we were accredited in thirty six states and. I mean, I'd spoken to tens of thousands of lawyers over the years, hundreds of thousands of lawyers over the years. I mean, so many at this point, you know, and then we figured out like, and then we still were doing stuff wrong. Like we used to bring our books with us to the events because we thought, oh, this, we've all been to those events, right? We've all been to the events where you get a book at the event <laughs> and only like 30% of people would reach out to us afterwards. And, and we're like, ah, oh, what are we doing wrong and, you know, we'd had to rework our strategies around all sorts of these components around how to make the speaking thing work for us. So you were bringing the books to the events. You realized that they weren't calling you. So what was the tweak to that part of the strategy? Well, it's backbreaking. 29 books in a box. And they're the hardcover. So it was like a bajillion pounds of books to every event, which sucked. And then I have to take a bunch of books back. in one day... Um, I went to an event. My books didn't show up because I would check the books at the airline. And I, my business partner and I were talking. We're like, oh my God, what the hell are we going to do? Like, there's like 60 people here. We don't have any books. And really quickly, we were both like, all right, well, wait a minute. What, what, we'll just print out a form and it'll be like a, a, like a half sheet. And we'll just have them fill out like their, their name, their address, and then we'll just mail them a book. And I was like, ah, awesome. And then we we're like, well, what if they want an ebook? And we'll just put a checkbox, paperback or hardcover or ebook. And we're like, okay, perfect. And then I handed out all the forms in my presentation. I said, hey, I don't know which one of you are going to want ebooks. I don't know which one of you are going to want hardcover books. I don't care. It makes no difference to me. The publisher, which by the way, we own the publishing company, the publisher, <laughs> you know, just said, collect these forms and then, you know, we'll, we'll send them all out to you. And 95% of a room, 95% plus of the room would fill out the form to select ebook or, or hardcover. And we, we were blown away because 95% room, like info capture from a room, we had name, address, physical address, phone number, and email from 95% of the room. And I was like, holy crap, we are never bringing books to an event again. <laughs> we now do forms. So we did forms for years. And, we, and, and then it started to bother me. Like, who's this 5% that is not asking for like, I was like really started to get bothered, which is such a stupid thing. And we figured out it was like people who were there with somebody else. They're like, oh, we'll just share the book. We don't need two of them. So just you sign up and I won't kind of thing. We're in the same firm. You know, our offices are next door. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're, we're getting 100% of the off the businesses in the room. Mm, that's awesome, man. We've got, an, we've got an event coming up and I had just ordered that box of books. So 
Um, that's going to stay at home this time. That's going to stay at home. <laughs> huh. So then we'd have the box of books at the office and we'd have, instead of emailing them ebooks, we sent them thumb drives with the ebook on it that they could download. And so it had all the Moby versions, like all the different versions on the thumb drive so that we forced a physical mailer to our prospect. Now our prospects were worth, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, hundred thousand dollars a year. So those are big closes and we're worth, we're willing to spend a little bit of money, like investing in a USB drive, but it had a branded USB drive. We've tossed in a $5 Starbucks card, said, Hey, coffee on us, enjoy our book, you know, and then one of our newsletters. And then we'd call them afterwards to verify they received the book or the, or the USB drive. That was our excuse to call them um, after. So we had like a whole process of like touch points, you know, get the form. We called to verify their address mailed them the book or the USB drive, called to verify receipt, and then called to set an appointment. So like we'd already had a, like five touch points before we ever even mentioned, hey, let's talk. What I love about this is the, um, you know, you had like this system that you had dreamed up in your mind with, without really like a, a target audience, really didn't know anything about them. Like the whole mailing the yellow pages, again, cool tactic, right? <laughs> to get in front of them fell flat, right? And then, you know, versus do, you know, getting in front of your audience with maybe a slight strategy, really, but not like the full mousetrap, right? You didn't have like yeah. the sophisticated system, the process and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like a lot of people spend a huge amount of time trying to trying to create really sophisticated processes for marketing before they've just proven the basics like is there an audience here? Do they resonate with our message? You know, do we know how to get in front of them? Um, and then, and then from there, you know, create the complicated mousetrap. Because what, what I'm hearing now is, hey, after we were speaking for a while, we started developing a sophisticated system of follow up and of nurture and of staying in front of these folks in order to get more clients. But you know, I think sometimes we we try to start there versus just starting with, hey, let's just get in a room with ten of our ideal clients, or in your case, three, <laughs> three of your <laughs> ideal clients, uh, which again, you guys solved that problem, right? But, but it's just, it's, it's, I think that sometimes we think that that first event or podcast or webinar or whatever has to have like 150 people or whatever, you know? And I oh, think sometimes yeah, we underestimate no how much learning that can happen when we just have a few people in our target market to, to, to talk to. And, and you're, what you're you're summarizing much more eloquently than I did it is the the fact that like I can look back and say oh yeah years later this is exactly what we did and I can rattle off the numbers I know the data points I know that every single form we handed out was worth sixteen dollars and forty two cents I know like we had that down but we didn't have that down on day one we had no mm. freaking clue what we were doing and you're so right because it took us dozens of presentations not like one or two. Yeah, it took us twenty to thirty to really start to hone in on how our clients wanted to be interacted with. Yeah, you know, like we thought we knew, but we were missing some pieces that were important. And and the only way to learn that is to be sitting down with them, as you mentioned, and having those conversations. And that that don't beat yourself up because you're not suddenly got, you don't have a hundred people in your room on day one. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh, well, what did I do? What do I do different next time? That's awesome, man. I appreciate these insights. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, do you have time to stick around for our, our lightning round? I oh, love it. What is the best advice you've ever received? 
Uh, done is better than perfect. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Picking up the phone. Can you share an internet resource, tool, or app that you think our listeners would find valuable? Probably already on Search Engine Journal. I'd say some folks to follow would be Mark Homer, Jason Hennessy, Conrad Sam. Those would be some good folks to follow. And what book would you recommend and why? The Power of Regrets by Daniel Pink. I used to live under the mantra of no regrets, and I have now changed my perspective on how to use regrets to help me leverage and grow my business. Awesome. We will link out to The Power of Regrets, Search Engine Journal, those other influencers you just mentioned, as well as lots of other cool tips, takeaways, quotables over on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcasts. Jabez, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah. Uh, if you know any female entrepreneurs, have them check out lotuslaunch.com. Um, super awesome program we've built there. Real actual modules to teach people stuff. Uh, otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on all of the above. I'm probably the only Jabez Labrette um, that you will run across. So <laughs> don't hesitate to reach out. I love to be connected to folks. Awesome. We will link out to Lotus Launch as well as your LinkedIn profile, Twitter, Facebook, other social media profiles, and all those resources from today's episode at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're on the road or out on a run and you didn't have something to write down, just check out yougurus.com slash podcast and you'll get all those links. Go follow Jabez, learn more about growing your business, learn more about his experience and how he's been able to create successful ventures. Jabez, thanks again for stopping the program today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word freedom to 720-792-8036. That's the word freedom to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.